Good morning, everyone. If you don't know who I am, my name is Jordan Castor. I am the uh, worship and youth pastor for Living Stones, um, and I'm going to be talking to you. I got the chance to speak a couple months ago, and um, I can honestly say I don't remember a single thing of what I said, <laughs> and it was a blur. So I'm, I do have a motto from when I was a kid that I will try anything two or three or four times just to make sure, um, so I'm glad to see I'm in good company. I'm going to start us with prayer and get us going with this thing, all right? So let me pray. Um, yeah, God, I just pray that through your word we would discover more of who you are. Um, God, that as we continue forward, um, that we would learn as much as we can about you and that we would uh, continue to worship you in all we do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. So I had the pleasure of going to a pastor's conference probably um, two, three months ago with Pastor Dan and Clay. Um, and we went, and there was nothing particularly special about this day. Um, it was just a connection time where uh, pastors got together, and they had a time of worship while we were there. And while we were there, like I said, it wasn't anything special. There was just a few uh, people on stage. I love your costume, by the way, Ethan. Nailed it. Um, but there was just a few people on stage. There was just a guy and a girl, and they were just worshiping. And just so you all know, I do this with my youth. I can go from talking about something to who knows what I'm talking about if I'm, easily, I'm just easily distracted. So I apologize. But anyway, so we're going through this time of worship. Um, and there wasn't like fog machines. There wasn't, a, you know, the lights weren't dimmed. We didn't have an awesome setup like we have here. Not that those things are bad. Uh, I think if those things are used properly, they can be used as a tool to, you know, advance the gospel. Um, but my point is that we were just there and full of a room of people who just love the Lord, right? And when I tell you that we worshiped, we worshiped, y'all, okay? Some of them um, sat and sang. Some of them stood and sang. Some of them uh, raised their hands um, and surrender. Some of them even got on their knees and they put their bodies in the position their hearts were in for worship. And in the middle of this time of worship, I couldn't help but wonder, as I often have before, what is true worship? What is true? What is biblical worship? Because in this day and age, we're flooded with a lot of uh, Christian music videos and Christian music where it's zoomed in on people's faces, and you may have seen it, and they're, and they're crying, and they're lifting hands, and there's energy in the room, and everyone's, you know, high-fiving and doing backflips and the whole bit. And as a Christian, you might think, okay, this is true worship. Or you may have been raised where um, you went to church, you sang a hymn or two, you sat down, listened to a message, sang another hymn or two, and you were told that that is true worship. Or even yet, you might have heard the phrase, my worship is a private matter between me and God. And you thought, that is true worship. So today, I want to begin to unpack a little bit about what worship is. I want us to leave today armed with the word of God, and I want a clearer understanding of what worship is. So um, me being a worship pastor, some of y'all might think low-hanging fruit kind of deal, but in all seriousness, um, it has been. It's been a uh, privilege to dig into God's word deeper. So I'm going to start with a series of scriptures from Revelation. 
Revelation, and we're going to move from that and kind of branch off. So if you've got your Bible, turn to Revelation chapter 4, Revelation chapter 4, verse 8. If you don't have your Bible, it's up on the screen for you. We'll start here and go on. Revelation 4, verse 8 says, Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne, and they say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. And then keep turning your pages a little bit to Revelation chapter 7. Revelation 7, 11 through 12. All the angels were standing around the throne. All the angels were standing around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God. They worshiped God saying, amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. So something you need to know about me is that I am not a super emotional person. I, I feel emotions, you know. Um, I'm very empathetic, right? If you're hurting, if you're worried, if you're stressed, I feel that too. But for some reason, I just, I don't hardly ever cry. That being said, I thought of a story, which is surprising for me. I thought of a story for my life um, that while I was studying, thought it went really well. I was dating this girl a long, long time ago, okay? And get ready for an awe, and she broke my heart. Thank you. Well, this was my first real heartbreak, okay? And at the time, I was like, oh, we're going to be together forever, and we'll chase rainbows and butterflies, and we'll hold hands and, you know, all that good stuff. I was young and real dumb. So anyway, this girl broke my heart, and I was going through all of the stages that a young, heartbroken person goes through, right? Denial, depression, excessive eating, <laughs> depression. Uh, the stage that I lovingly call the boohooery stage. Boohoo, it's where you do a lot of boohooing. Um, and then I arrived at the one that I call the why God moment, right? Anybody ever been there? Huh? Why God? Why did this happen to me, God moment? What are you doing, God moment? The why me, why now, why, 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 why? And don't hear me wrong. The why stage is valid, right? I'm not saying the why is bad. If we present our whys properly to God, it says that he's faithful to us, that he'll give us comfort, that he will be with us amidst the chaos, Right? So don't hear what I'm not saying. God's not shocked or scared of your whys. It's okay. But I was in this why God moment. And after the breakup, I was in my room praying to God, and I was why Godding. And in the middle of this, God had a come to Jesus moment with me. Um, and it was probably the scariest five seconds of my entire life. Okay? In the middle of praying, and why Godding, my anger at the situation started to escalate, and my whys turned to how dare yous. And then I heard in my heart God say, Okay, Jordan, if you don't think I got this, I'll just leave. 
And right at that moment, <laughs> for about five seconds, I experienced what I can only describe as the feeling of God just like lifting his hand off of me. That's kind of what it felt like. And those five seconds felt like an eternity, okay? And after five seconds, when I felt like he came back, it was like breath came back into my body. And I know the Bible says that God will never let go, but it felt like he went from two hands down to one. You know what I'm saying? Y'all feeling me? So he came back. I felt it. And in response to that, I just like started crying hard, ugly, crazy cry, right? And I was just asking God for forgiveness, and I'm crying, and then I begin to worship God. I begin to worship God. Why? Because point number one right here, worship is in response to understanding. Worship's in response to understanding. Everyone turn with me to Job 38. Job 38, and I apologize, we're going to be switching a lot. It is up here if you need it, okay? Job 38, verse 1. To fill you in at this point, Job was having a real bad day, okay? His entire life was in disarray, and at this point, he was begging God for death. That's where Job was at. He was begging God for death, and Job was why Godding super hard, and all of his friends were going and telling Job their understanding of their whys, Okay? So Job's friends are talking to him, telling them why they think it's happening to him. And then Job responds for six chapters, okay? Six chapters, Job begins to turn his whys into how dares and into despair. And there is a shift in Job that God responds to here in Job 38. So Job 38, verse 1, it says, Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. I love this verse. Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? No. Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Listen, if you're ever talking to God, and God says, I'm going to ask you some questions, and you can tell me the right answer, and then right after he just told you you're speaking with words without knowledge, buckle up, okay? It's not a line of questioning that's going in your favor, right? It's not like you're going to get there and you're going to be like, yeah, see God? He's like, oh, my bad. You know, it's, that's not how it happens. God says, brace yourself. And then God goes on to ask Job a series of questions that Job could not only never know the answer to, but quite possibly never even thought to think about the question or answer. Questions like, have you ever given orders to the morning? Or, and this is my personal favorite one, who let the wild donkey go free? I, I, I didn't even know that was a question that needed answering, right? But God knows the questions. God knows the answers. So God does this to Job over and over and over and over and over. And turn with me as God is doing this to chapter 42, Job chapter 42. And what does Job do in response? Job replied to the Lord. He says, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You ask, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now, and I will speak, and I will question you, and you shall answer me. My ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ash. Sounds awfully familiar to our revelation worship, doesn't it? 
Job's response to gaining understanding is to proclaim God's character and repent of his sins. Our worship to God is in response to understanding about God and the things of God. God is good, praise him. God is holy, praise him. God is in control, praise him. Our reaction to the things of God should be to proclaim his truth and praise his name. Romans 11:34 says, "Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen." And then in chapter 12 it says, "Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper Worship, yeah. This is your true and proper worship. So point two, worship is not only musical, right? Obviously, we use songs. Obviously, we use instruments when we worship. We see it every Sunday morning, right? You see it all over the Bible. Uh, lift a joyful noise, uh, use instruments, <clears throat> praise God, all creation worship. So we know that obviously worship is musical, but worship is not only musical, I just read it. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. So what does that mean? When I was working at Evergy um, as a lineman apprentice, I got the chance to go to a vice president retirement party. Okay? The VP was retiring, and he had this huge party. But the problem was that a huge storm had come into Kansas City and that nobody from the company could come to his party. So me and the other apprentices were at this same location, and so we got voluntold to go to this retirement party, right? So we go, no big deal, we're eating food, it's all good. We sit down, and the VP comes up, and he gives a speech. And the only thing this VP could talk about, oh, that was loud, is Jesus. That's all he could talk about. He talked about how Jesus saved him. He talked about how much Jesus changed his life, how all of his success was accredited to Jesus, um, so on and so forth. And then he gets down, and his family comes up, and all his family could talk about was how much this man loves Jesus. Over and over that he was the light to the lost. And it's just a bunch of random apprentices they've never even met just going, oh, man, you know, like, oh, cool, right? His life was a living sacrifice, he lived every day for his creator. Every day he tried to put God first. And he wasn't perfect. I'm not saying that. I'm not calling perfection here. Okay? What my point is is that he made an effort to know the things of God and then live in such a way where people had to credit his deeds to Jesus. They couldn't help it. Right? There was no denying that he was doing everything he could to point to Jesus. And that is part of our worship. That's part of our worship. We also see another great example with the wise men. Turn to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew 2, 11. <clears throat> Matthew 2, 11 says, On coming to the house, they, the wise men, saw the child, Jesus, and his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him, and they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The response of the wise men shows us two things. One, our response to Christ should be 
worship. Our response to Christ should be worship. And two, that worship isn't necessarily musical, right? They gave gifts. They um, worshiped him and gave gifts. I have a quote from my study Bible when I was studying for this that I loved, and it said it way better than I could ever say it. So it says, the Magi brought gifts and worshiped Jesus for who he was. This is the essence of true worship, honoring Christ for who he is and being willing to give him what is valuable to you. Worship God because he is perfect, just, and almighty creator of the universe, worthy of the best you have to give. So some tough questions. Does your life point to the things of Jesus? Is your life a living sacrifice? If you die today, right, age-old question, if you died today, would people talk about how much you love Jesus? Is your worship beyond music? Has your worship cost you something? Because if the answer is no or not yet, this is my chance to urge you to go back to your first love. Go back to pursuing Christ. Okay? Go back. Because this life is not about us. This life isn't about us. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, whatever... Everything you're doing, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do it for the glory of God, not for the glory of self, not for the glory of raising your kids right, not for the glory of church, not for the glory. Do everything you do for the glory of God. This life is not about us. Live your life in a way that is worship to God. Point three, worship costs something. Worship costs something. Okay, what if I told you today that I spent $5 on coffee? Would that cost you anything? No. I'm shaking my head. No. You can say no. Listen, like I said last time, I work with youth. We talk a lot, okay? It's okay to say things, okay? Now, let's say, okay, so let's say I need coffee, and I go up to you, and I say, please, can I have $5 for coffee? And you give me $5. Does that cost you? Yes, right? So it costs you something now. But let's say I find out that that $5 you actually stole from your friend while you're sitting here with them, right? Now, not only does my appreciation and my gratitude for what cost you earlier go to dismay because you stole, but also now that gift you gave me doesn't hold value anymore because it didn't cost you. Your gift no longer holds value because it didn't cost you. Our worship is the same. Think about the widow that gave two coins that Jesus talks about, right? She gave all that she had. He says that she gave more than anyone else. Why? Because she gave out of her need. She gave something that cost her something. Our worship has to be the same. I truly believe that our worship to God will forever feel dull and powerless and will feel disconnected until the worship we give cost us something. And this is my, listen, I know I'm kind of talking hard at y'all. I'm talking to myself to it. When I was studying for this, I was like, oh man, I got some work to do. <laughs> right? So this isn't just aimed at you all. Okay? This is for all of us to grow together through the word of God. Okay? Um, this one's tricky though, worship that costs you, because it's not linked to action necessarily. It's linked to your heart. It's not a heart issue. It's 
or sorry, it's a heart issue, not an action issue, okay? So let me explain. The words we sing to God cost us control. When we are worshiping God with music and singing, these words, we are acknowledging God as sovereign and worthy of praise. That takes our status and then lowers it, okay? It puts us in a place of surrender, and it also helps us to understand and remember the same lessons that Job had learned, which was that God is so much greater than us. He is so much more in control. He is so deserving of our praise and our worship. So when we live our lives as spiritual sacrifices to God, it costs us our lives, okay? So singing the songs costs us our control. Living as spiritual sacrifices, uh, uh, excuse me, gives us our lives, okay? Everything we do turns away from us and turns towards God. Our hopes turn towards him. Our joy turns towards him. Our praise, our attention. That's why it says pick up your cross daily, right? You're to die to yourself and pursue God. Y'all with me? All right, point four. Worship is expressed in some way. Worship is expressed in some way. So think of everything we've talked about so far. You've got Job who is declaring his unworthiness and repenting. You have the wise men who bring gifts and worship. You have the vice president I was talking about speaking the name of Jesus to strangers Um, The elders in Revelation that take their crowns, lay it before the throne of God and worship him. And then you even have like the pastors I was telling you about um, that were worshiping together. They all express their worship in different ways, right? Some, like I said, raised hands. Some fell on their knees. Some stood. Some sat. But what they did was in response to the words they sang and their understanding of their creator. All of these expressions are of their understanding of God. And like I said, each person is different. Each person is different. But our true worship from the heart will result in an expression of some kind. Okay? So think of it like this. Oh, there you go. That's a good slide. Heart issue, not an action issue. But true worship results in an expression. So in Ephesians 2.8, it says... For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, but a gift from God, right? Not by works, so that none can boast. But then in James 2, it says, in the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. And that faith without works is dead. Y'all see? Okay? We're saved by grace through faith alone. But the expression of our faith and the evidence of our faith is shown in our works, okay? We are meant to worship God with a true heart of worship, but the evidence of a true heart of worship is in how it's expressed, in that it is expressed. You with me? Okay? And everyone's different. It's not one-size-fits-all, and that's why I keep talking about it's not an action issue, it's a heart issue. Your expression might be in how you give. Your expression might be in the conversations you have with people. It might be in your availability to people. Um, It might be in you standing up and raising your hands and singing at the top of your voice. But worship that costs something, worship from the heart of someone who desires God and the things of God 
that is the worship that I'm talking about that will result in expression. If you find yourself in powerless, dull, meaningless worship, I have excellent news for you. There is hope, right? It's like everything in Christianity. You can practice a heart of worship. You can practice the discipline of worship. I tell my students all the time, I say, if you want to be a professional athlete, you need to practice, eat, and think like a professional athlete. If you want a relationship with God that is full of power, love, and surrender to God, you have to practice, eat, and think like a fully devoted follower of Christ. I wish it were easier. Listen, don't tell Dan, but I wish I could sit at home and eat nothing but bluebell ice cream and Costco brownie batter and develop a six-pack of abs and run a four-minute mile. I wish, right? But that's not reality. That's not Christianity. You have to do the things that bring you closer to God, that make you a healthy Christian, okay? We must develop our worship, and I'm going to give you three ways to start, but prepare yourself because they will blow your mind. They Thoughts you've never thought about thinking, okay? You ready? Right here. You need to pray, pursue, and respond. Mind-blowing, right? Okay. I'm being facetious, right? These aren't new. These aren't new things, but they are needed to be a healthy Christian to develop a true heart of worship. Praying. Praise easy. The Bible says pray continually. Pray for all things, right? Always be in prayer. We must communicate with our Creator. Prayer puts us in a place of surrender to God. Prayer connects us with God. Prayer helps us develop a relationship with God. Just like if you have a friend or significant other, you have to talk to them, hopefully, right? You have to talk to them to develop that relationship with them. Prayer is the same. And you might be in a place today where you're like, Jordan, I haven't prayed in a long time, or I don't often pray, or I don't know how to pray. I've put in your bulletin, actually, a really easy start to prayer. And I believe it's up here too, yeah. Start with giving God praise and glory. Then as you're praying, move forward into remembering his goodness and his sovereignty. Then pray for others and their needs. Then pray for your own personal needs. And finally, and this one's important, end with a few minutes of silence. Just let the Holy Spirit talk to you. In the moments of silence when we're just acknowledging God, that's when he talks often the most. So if you're not sure where to start with prayer, do it for like two minutes a day. Just start somewhere where you start that communication with your creator. And you can begin to develop and deepen that relationship that I'm talking about where you have discipline for a heart of worship. Number two is to pursue. If you um, never read the Bible never studied it, you are as likely to fully understand God and the things of God as someone who has never talked to their significant other is to fully get to know them. Meaning, you can't get to know God if you don't learn about God. Okay? Join a Bible study. Join us. We've got two great Sunday school groups that are digging into God's Word. Join a Sunday school. Mark and Andre McMillan, they started a um, discipleship program. Join that. Read the Bible on your own get people together. There's YouTube videos. There's Spotify podcasts. You get into God's word and pursue God. Pursue him like he's a precious gem 
that will absolutely change your life forever, right? Pursue him like he is the only drink of water you can have and you are dying of thirst, right? Pursue God. And three is to respond, and I'll end with this. James chapter one, verse 22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and then after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he's looking at. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. We have to respond to God's word, okay? Pray to God, pursue God, and then respond. I'm gonna have y'all stand up. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna end with a time of worship, just a song. Um, there's nothing magical in the song, but I'm gonna give us a chance to uh, practice what I preached. <laughs> I thought that in my office. Practice what I preached. It's funny. Stripped away, and I simply come, longing just to bring something that's the word that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have. Search much deeper within Through the way things are You're looking into my heart I'm coming back to a heart of worship And it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus I'm sorry, Lord, for the things of endless words no one could express how much you deserve though I'm weak and old all I have is yours every single breath I bring you more than a song for a song in Search much deeper within Through the way things are You're looking into my heart I'm coming back to the heart of worship It's all about you It's all about you, Jesus I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I made it When it's all 
Father, may we live that way. Father, may we not bring you something that doesn't cost us. May we not bring you worship that doesn't cost us something. Father, I just thank you for the reminder that we are to daily just live our lives as a sacrifice to you. Your word, scripture teaches that people should look at our lives and think of you. So God, in those areas where we don't reflect Jesus. I pray, God, that you would uh, just purify those areas of our heart and our lives, God. We thank you for another opportunity just to be in your presence today with people that we love. God, thank you for the children and uh, for the children's workers and youth workers, God, that work with our students. We just thank you for them. Father, we, we lift up people in our body right now that are in the hospital, uh, Frank and Shirley and, uh, and Glenn Patton's father. Lift them up to you and ask God that you would bring healing to their bodies. Father, I pray that as we walk through this season, uh, we're reminded that it's about you, God. There's, there's often many times when we're focused on everything but you during this time. So, God, would you just draw us closer to you during this time? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being here today. I hope you have a God-blessed day, and we'll see you next week.